tension. It's that awkward, uncomfortable, and unwanted feeling that we've all experienced. And in leadership, it's unavoidable. You will confront tension in your leadership. The question is, how will you handle it? My guest today specializes in dealing with tension, so enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? This is John Ryan Kane, too, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. God bless you and welcome to another episode of Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Ryan Cantu. This is a show that brings you leadership tips from ministry leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs, people who have been where you are and people who have been where you are wanting to go. We bring them in for interviews and we talk to them. We kind of pick their brain a little bit. We get their insight and uh, it's, it's always a good time. So uh, thank you for joining us today on the show. Today's guest is Dr. Matthew Rawlings. He is a PhD in leadership and communication. Uh, he's currently the CEO of a consulting company in Singapore. Um, we're talking about tension today, um, along with you know some some other fun stuff. Of course, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, the podcast has gotten to a point where people you know reach out because they want to be on the show or they have someone in mind that would be great to be on the show. Um, and that's, it's really been a big blessing and I want to thank, I want to say thank you to all those who listen. Uh, the data shows growth, so that's always a good thing. Um, my goal, you know, for this show is it's, it's, and this is what I tell every guest that, that comes on. It's to provide a meaningful conversation, uh, that will teach, inspire, encourage, and motivate the listeners. So Dr. Rawlings will definitely be doing that today. So we're going to go ahead and bring him in. All right, Matthew Rawlings, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks, John. It's good to be with you. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. I've I heard quite a bit about you from, uh, I guess as it turns out, your your nephew, who's also named yeah. Matthew. Uh, he's a listener to the <laughs> show, and uh, he reached out to me, and he said that you might be a, a, a pretty good addition to have as a guest. So, uh, you know, this was back in August, and, and we're finally making it happen uh, now. So yeah. I'm excited for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for today's conversation because, uh, you know, he was telling me a little bit about you and, and what you do. And um, before we get, you know, too deep into it, uh, what can you tell us uh, about yourself? Kind of quick background, upbringing, anything like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Short version. Uh um, oh, let's see. How do you do a short version of a life? Um, <laughs> well, I grew up in I, I grew up in a in a very conservative church, and it gave me kind of a funny idea of God. And not the church's fault. I'm not blaming them. I just I just kind of inherited it. The particular church I went to was a um, they didn't allow musical instruments, and so you know the guy would start with a pitch pipe, which is fine. But the point that I'm from my side was it gave me this idea of God was conservative. He didn't like music. And so that really kind of got me started on a journey to try to figure out, okay, who is God? Um, ended up going into youth with a mission, was in missions for 25 years. Um, and then um, went back to school, did some graduate work. And in 2005, moved back to Singapore 
and started a consulting company. So now I uh, run my consulting company in Singapore looking at leadership, organizational change um, from a biblical perspective, but not with a biblical language. So I get to be hanging out with people and talking about God and engaging God um, with a bunch of with a bunch of people in the marketplace. So I, I it's really been kind of a fulfilling time for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm, I'm very interested in hearing more about your uh, your consulting firm and um, what what kind of what was there anything specific that kind of led you to uh, to wanting to do that? Well, I guess was there like a, a passion behind that? Well. In the simplest terms, and I, I don't want it to sound too simplistic, but to, to be honest, I fell in love with God. I can remember one time I was sitting down and kind of waiting on the Lord, and all of a sudden the words that came out of my mouth were, I'm so lonely, I'm so lonely, and I realized that my problem wasn't religious. My problem was relational. And I, you know, somehow in that moment, I really thought, man, I want to love God. And I, I really fell in love with God. And, you know, it's a dangerous thing to fall in love with God. Um, not just yeah. from his perspective, but from ours in the sense of what he puts in your heart and the desires and longings mm-hmm. and the challenges and those types of things. So I, I really thought, okay, I want to love God, and I, I want to do it with all my heart. And that really is what began me on this journey, because I, I would have been happy just staying at home and living a very simple life and doing simple things and, you know, just kind of a typical American But, you know, for the last 20-plus years, 19 almost in Singapore, um, it really has kind of opened new doors and avenues and opportunities in that process. So, yeah, I, the, yeah, the version really is. I, I just thought, man, I want to love God. And, and anytime you, yeah. that opens up the door, then it, it really starts you to thinking about, okay, then who am I in light of God? Because love requires you to be something other than what you are. And um, right. so right. that's, yeah, that's that's where... I got into trouble uh, in the sense of the word trouble. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. It's very, very, very true. It's a, it is a dangerous thing um, because you know when when you when you love someone, um, you're pretty much giving everything that you have to them, and uh, that's kind of without any yeah. reservations. And so you don't know exactly where that's gonna take you. And so uh, I want I want to ask you about Singapore. Was there some Was there something that you know, was there like a, a specific calling moment? Did God say, hey, I want you to go to Singapore? Or how did that kind of come about? Yeah. Um, well, I was in, I was with YWAM in the early 80s, well, for many years. And then when I was in Hong Kong, um, the leadership team came to my wife and I and said, would you guys go down to Singapore and take over the work in Singapore? So we went down to Singapore from 83 to 88, and we're in charge of YWAM there. And that's really, I started to do, uh, I had a Bible study with businessmen and, you know, relational wise. So in 2005, uh, an opportunity came up and someone invited me to come work in Singapore. Um, I didn't take their offer, but I thought, well, you know, a series of events that got kind of opened up mm-hmm. where we, we both felt like, wow, okay, this, the 80s was the start of something, but there's more work to be doing there. So that's when I went back to take on the consulting work and the business work. I mean, I still do missions work and church work, but the, yeah. Um, yeah. the the engagement in the marketplace was really the door that I felt like the Lord had opened for us. Yeah, yeah. And so you've been in, you've, it sounds like you've been in uh, kind of some leadership positions for, uh, well, I guess since the 80s, uh, right? Yeah. And so you have some experience there. And uh, I'm, I'm always interested, I'm always interested in how different cultures do different things. And, uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've been, I've been, 
uh, you know, to the to the east. I, I've been I've been we, we have a, we have a, a nonprofit organization. And we we do some work in in Tanzania. We've done some stuff cool. in India, and it's all it's always it's always great to have. I enjoy the culture shock, basically, um, because it's like, wow, this is so different than everything that I know. And so when we're talking, we're talking about leadership. Uh, you've spent, you said, about 20, 20 plus years in Asia and around this Pacific, and the Pacific. In your engagement with people around the world, is there anything interesting that you've learned uh, when it comes to leadership style from like one culture to the next? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a variety of different ways. It's interesting when you study leadership that there's in the, in the end, all the thousands of hours that they've talked about in regards to research and all the databases and all the, you know, the sum total of, of the research, the, the funny thing is that there's really not one defining aspect of leadership in the sense of in every situation, this is what you would call a leader. So, so you know, it forces you to go back and go, well, in one of those books, they used to call it situational leadership, but it's Leadership is such a fluid thing in this process. It depends on so many variables and what is needed and, and really, from our perspective, what God is doing and all of these different dynamics. So, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. the, um, there's not one. And what I often do and really try to focus on doing is not kind of get stuck because you can have a personality style, you know, so you sure. can call it string finders and they could take one or Myers-Briggs or they could take one or fire OB or whatever the model you're working with her. Um, but it's really what I try to do is what's the human element in leadership. Mm-hmm. And the element that I've worked with um, and focused on is how do we deal with tension? Because um, what is common for all cultures is we have to deal with tension. Yeah. That's the, that's that human element. So whether you're in a, this culture or that culture, how you deal with tension is often the leverage point that allows you to be able to um, grow or develop yourself or a relationship or an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a key leverage point that we have to be able to work with. So that's yeah. that's really what I have in the end started to work with is, okay, how do what's the human element in regards to dealing with tension and how do we kind of engage that and look through that? And then really, what's God's perspective on tension? Because in the end, that's really what we've got to go back to. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, tension is a huge—it's it, when, when uh, Matthew wrote to me originally, he talked about that, that that could be a discussion point. I thought, man, that's, that's going to be very yeah. helpful for so many people, because every, everyone deals um, in these kind of scary places sometimes called, called tension, because they don't, they don't know how to you know, work around it. And— you know, in in America, in the states, we uh, I want to say that we don't handle tension very well because you know, especially yeah. I, I'm from the South, so I'm you know I live in Texas, and so you know there's there's that that feeling of hey, you have to be kind to people, and so we we beat around the bush a lot. We don't like to be di- direct a lot of times, and uh, and so that kind of gets in the way of of saying things that need to be said, um, and and so I'm I'm, I'm sure we can kind of talk a little bit about uh, that but but first can we can we talk a little bit about your your organization it's a broken top leadership uh, first of all I want to ask you about the name broken top leadership yeah yeah well uh, there's I run two things so on the marketplace side I, my company is called green bench consulting and the green bench is really just a metaphor for one conversation at a time the ministry side that I do is called broken top leadership and broken top okay. 
is I love the double meaning of it. So the Broken Top is there's a mountain in Oregon, Central Oregon, that's called Broken Top. And so it's a beautiful mountain. Uh, my family's from Oregon. And then the, the other side of the metaphor, Broken Top, is we're all dealing with brokenness in our leadership. And, and mm-hmm. the metaphor of Broken Top is what we have to be able to work with and deal with oftentimes as part of that challenge. So that's why I like the language of Broken Top Leadership Institute Okay. Um, because we're we're yeah we're dealing with brokenness. That's the challenge for leadership, yeah. uh, and oftentimes a source of tension. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I, yeah, I love that. Um, and, and so, are you finding yourself that that organization, the Broken Top uh, Leadership, uh, are you yeah. working a lot with ministries like pastors and stuff like that? Well, yeah. What what we do is I put together. I write, so I have a section of books that I write for the church, and then I put out a daily devotional and and work through some of those type of things. So anybody who um, and, and really, it's just kind of in the language that I use. So if I'm dealing with people from the church or missions, then I'll use, you know, biblical language, and, and we, we speak from that. If I'm dealing with people in the marketplace, and I just can't use a religious language, so I have to kind of translate it into the language of the business. Um, so those are the two sides that I work with. It's a little, a little bit like translating the kingdom into, you know, Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke about agriculture to a people that were used to agriculture. So we've really got to kind of adopt our language to help people start as a connection point with the kingdom and sure. then move on from there. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So on on your um, on the website, I was looking at this uh, yesterday. It says uh, it's an institute that explores a biblical model for leadership in the midst of change. And uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think change is something very very scary to so many people, but so necessary at times. Um, I guess my first question is, why do you think people fear like organizational change? Yeah, that's a great question. What what I what I had to figure out because it's been my own journey as well. So it's not it's not in the abstract. Having having lived overseas and living overseas, having to deal with many many different people, many many different cultures, and being in tension a lot, and having to deal with change a lot. You know, I, I I would be the first to say I don't like change, particularly when someone else is trying to impose it upon me. And really what what people resist is not change per se, because if I were to walk up to someone who's listening and say, here, it's a million dollars, go and change your life, they wouldn't go, oh, no, I'm afraid of change. They would right. gladly accept it yes. um, and go forward. So change oftentimes isn't the question. The, the real question is loss or pain or you know, the vulnerability of it, uh, someone else's will being imposed upon you and you losing the familiar. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the area that we often, when we use change or deal with change management, that's really what we're dealing with is, is that side of it. So a lot of times what I do, particularly when dealing with workshops, is is because the, the piece in change that really kind of gets us is, I'll go back to the word tension, um, is dealing with tension and helping people realize that tension isn't evil, but it does exist, and it's an important part of life. And once I can help people see that tension isn't the enemy, that tension, <coughs> the tension is actually, uh, from a biblical point of view, um, you know, I mean, God is a source of tension, if I can say it that way. Um, and, and how we view tension is going to be absolutely vital to then looking at how we deal with change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, this is very, very timely for, for me personally, because uh, in our 
our church. So I'm a, I'm a pastor, yeah. and uh, we're yeah. we're gonna be changing um, our church name uh, pretty soon. And this is yeah. after uh, you know seventy plus years we've had the same name, and it's just kind of not it's not working for our identity. And so, um, you know, we, we want to do this really big change and we, we have people there that, that have been around the church since, you know, for, for 50, 60 years. And and so, you know, there's a lot of people that are on your boat and they're like, yes, let's do this. And then there's the other side that's like, wait a minute, this, you know, you can't just be changing all these things. Um, so what, what could you say, um, what, I guess, how could you speak to change from a biblical standpoint? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question, and, and we really have to we really have to deal with it. I mean, if you you can take it and you can scale it on multiple levels, you can deal it. You know, at the national level in the U.S., we're dealing with change now, and and you know, the temptation is to polarize, and and what ten, ten, change tends to do is lead us to you know power and then control because that's where only time we feel safe. But let me mm-hmm. let me take a step back from that. John, and look at what I had to do is I had to think, okay, God, what's your perspective on change? And then I went back and I started to look at a couple of situations that come to mind is a God gives, he creates the garden and puts a tree in it and the tree creates tension. Now this is before the, you know, the rebellion and the fall. Mm-hmm. And so there's a garden with a tree that has tension in it. And the tension is, should I choose this or should I choose that? In other words, God says, this is my garden and that's your garden. And then he, he has the audacity that he creates Adam, and then he pulls a woman out of Adam and talk about tension. And then he says, okay, now you guys put it back together. And, and the tension inherent in male and female now relationships. And then if you look at the tension inherent, you know, in the name of God, is he one or is he three? And then you look at tension in regards, and this is all before the fall. You know what I mean? So we can't blame sin on this. Yeah. And then he and then he says to, you know, he yeah. allows the serpent to go in the garden. And a part of you says, well, what are you doing, God? How could you allow such tension in the story? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's like, well, I'm not afraid of tension, you guys. I'm not afraid of what it's going to reveal. I'm not afraid of life and vulnerability and engaging it. And, 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 and only when we can get to that place do we start to go, okay, because what, you know, when you change the name, you change your relationship because Adam's first job was to name the world. And so when, when you guys have accepted a name or you've lived under that name, mm-hmm. what people fear is not necessarily the name change. What they fear is the relationship is going to change. Mm-hmm. And that's what they have to kind of come to grips with. And that's kind of the emotional piece that's absolutely core in the process that they have to be able to work through. And, and as you give them the ability to be able to talk about it and look at what, what are we losing and what is, what's the possible fears associated mm-hmm. with it, what it has a capacity to do is deepen then the opportunity for a relationship and reinforce what those core values are that started this name relationship in the very first place. So those are the dynamics that have to go on on the human side yeah. for all of yeah. us. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's very insightful. And I've never thought about it that way. I mean, the way that you, you know, articulate all of that um, from even before yeah. the fall, I mean, there was, there was, there was tension. There was anytime there, any, anytime you're dealing with people, I guess there's always c- kind of going to be a little bit of tension because no, no two people are yeah. exactly yeah. the same. That's right. Uh, and, yeah. and so there's always going to be a little bit of, of redi- uh, resistance. Now, yeah. Yeah. when you're, when you're in the place of leadership and you're dealing with a multitude of, of different types of people, it, it it's overwhelming yeah. because I think a lot of leaders kind of yeah. get to this point where they say, I'm never going to please everybody. Uh, I should just throw in the towel. I mean, is there any advice that you can give to leaders who are kind of at that point? 
Yeah, well, that, that's, uh, I mean, because how we frame leadership is leadership solves problems. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And, yep. and then we carry this kind of emotional expectation that goes, if I'm a really good leader, there'll be no tension. Well, this is ridiculous because God's the best leader in the world. Look at the tension that he allows. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, so part of it is framing what a leader's role. So a leader's role in one sense is to create tension. And, you know, if you just talk about it in a very practical sense, a vision creates tension. It creates a tension from the future that pulls us towards it. So, so this idea that a leader's job is to solve everybody's tension is, 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 is really illusionary and creates a lot of just kind of expectations. And there's a reason why we throw in the towel because you can't solve everybody's tension. Tension exists and it's never going to go away. And I, I chuckled, one of the guys I was reading, I can't remember his name now, said, when you resolve one aspect of tension, another aspect of tension will just fill up space because the people will continue to rise in their expectations of leaders and the roles and the responsibilities. So um, tension is a part of leadership. It's a part of our relationships, and it's vital, and that's what we're working with. And so part of it is the leader has to come to terms that with, well, okay, I don't have to meet everybody's expectations, and and then they can start to just go, but what are we trying to do, and who are we, and how do we create relationships that's going to get us into the future, mm-hmm. and then reinforce that, and then you can move forward in that way. And when we start to do that, then we we quit trying to solve everybody else's problems and we help them figure out, well, what does this reveal about you? And what do you want to own about your life in the midst of this? And what do you want to become in light of what God is saying in the midst of this? And then we can, we can create a dialogue and move forward in that process. Right. Yeah. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, yeah. A, a lot of time, it, it was very, very eye opening when I, when I heard, uh, this, this quote from, uh, Carly Fiorina. She's the, uh, former, uh, CEO for, for HP and uh, yeah, yeah. she she said that that good leaders run towards problems, and that's yeah. very that's counterintuitive because no one wants to run towards problems because why there's tension there, uh, but those are you know those problems need solving and so good leaders run to that's those fair. things to look for the, for, yeah. for the solutions, um, and so yeah that, that that's that kind of changed the way that I thought about a, a lot of yeah. things because yeah, I was in the same boat, man. I'm, I'm just stressed yeah. out trying to meet everybody's needs. And, um, the, I, th- I think the key point is to look at the organization as a whole and, and try to solve that problem, realizing that there's going to be a lot of internal tension, you know, um, and the way yeah. that you manage that. So very, yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, good. and so, you know, when it comes to when it comes to things like change, um, because obviously change is necessary, is is there a way yeah. that that leaders can be introducing change in a way that's more exciting? You know, more positive, maybe in a yeah. way that would kind of diminish the amount of resistance, or is like that's just not possible. <laughs> well, you 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 know, you've got a bell curve in regards to the, the one end of the curve. There'll be people that are leaning towards change. And at the other end of the curve, there'll be people who resist any change at all, period. Yeah. And so you're going to have a whole spectrum that of people in this, you know, what's the tipping point and all those different dynamics. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think from God's perspective, um, I don't think he's worried about change. What he's worried about is um, what does change reveal and how do we walk into it? So really it's a training discipleship issue because change is going to be going on around us. So how do we talk about change? How do we create discussions around it? You know, if we took, if we just took a very practical 
um, example of it. So God now has a dilemma because man's in rebellion against him. So what does he do? He sends his son. What is his son? His son is his word made manifest. So Jesus, who was the word of God, came to live amongst us. What's the first thing God does is the garden. He shows up, and then he has a conversation. And in fact, the first thing God does is he actually asks questions. So he asks, where are you? He asks, who told you? And he asks, have you eaten? So the first thing he does, the all-knowing God, is he asks questions. So we you know, we, we, we start to see that, that God starts to engage, that communication is going to be a vital part of this, that, that asking questions is a leadership tool to get people engaged, that, um, you know, how do I work through this and own this and develop this process? And that these are going to be um, the challenges that, <clears throat> sorry, um, that are normal to our leadership role and that, you know, that the word communication so Jesus is the resolution of the dilemma that God had in dealing with, with sin. And so, you know, we see that communication is going to be absolutely vital to these things. And so we've got to develop a capacity to communicate. We've got to develop a capacity to stand on with people and learn how to hear different points of views and get to the values that are part of that and be able to work through that. And that's, that's a bit of an art. It's, you know, it's a bit of a lost art because we've become so reactionary Anybody who's different from us, we fear them, and so we we lob at them kind of judgments and say, you know, you're evil, and if you disagree with us, and all this kind of stuff. And we what we've got to do is figure out how do we get to the deeper issues, and even if we agree to disagree, at least we know what we're disagreeing about. So, talking a little bit more here on on, on tension, um, specifically tension between between leaders. I guess my, my question that I'm, that yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kind of coming up with here, I'm trying to form, I'm trying to form it, the, the wording, I don't want to say it. Well, yeah. I guess when it comes to, uh, I guess, transparency, right. uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a leader, is there, yeah. because, you know, we, we live in a world that is, you know, we, we, everyone wants transparency, everyone does, and that's it, it's that's very fair thing to ask, but when it comes to certain yeah, things... Yeah. Um, yeah. In the organization, say I'm the leader, yeah. and I want to. I, I have an idea. I have a vision about where I want to yeah. go. Um, should I? Sh- should that be shared with every single person in 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 regards to like getting their feedback, um, or um, should there be you know should there be a point where I say you know I'm 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 not really going to ask anybody about this. That this is just this is what it's going to be. You know I'm I'm the leader. Be- you know, there's kind of that balance between you don't want to be a dictator, but you also don't want to be a pushover and, and not be yeah. able to make up your mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that really, because it's a dilemma, in other words, there's no right answer to it. So a leader has to have a, a, a direction. A leader, it's, leader doesn't lead by democracy. Um, mm-hmm. So even though God leads, and he does, and he says this is where we're going, and then that's not up for confu- for dialogue in the one sense because he's— God and we're not, um, but he still opens up the door. So Abram says to him, shall not the judge of the whole earth do rightly? In other words, so he, God says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? So there's this dilemma um, that is this ongoing tension that you can't get away from in regards to a leader having this desire, saying this is what I want to do, but then the people engaging and working with him and, and, and discussing and dialoguing with him. Um, in this process, and and you never want to say nobody can question me because I mean God encourages questions. I mean, you know, the, Jesus is when you look at the life of Jesus, he goes through life, and what the most commonly asked question is, "What can I do for you?" 
And, uh, you know, this is from God. So there's this openness to people because he wants love and trust, not bribe and threat. So you, you always carry the tension of, let me, you know, so part of it is, let me work you through where I think we're going. Let me work through the argument. Let me work you through why. Let me work you through the values. Let me work you through the expression. And then let's create a discussion around this to see if we can build some links to this and why this is important and how we can come to agreement. But that's the tension that any leader has to carry. And it's, it's, it just is the challenge of leadership that, you know, we do this. And if someone, that's the nice thing about, if we talk about the church, we, we go, well, you don't have, you know, there's enough diversity. God doesn't just say, I want one church. He, he, a church is a small group of people where two or three are gathered in this, in one sense. And, but they'll find some people that relationally, visionally um, type of things that you feel like you can be committed to and walk with them. Um, so the, these are the things that we have to kind of work through in this process. Yeah. And and so as leaders, it, is there, do you tell people, hey, just be okay with, with letting people go? Because, yeah. you know, I think that that is kind of where the, the, the fear comes from. Well, if, if I... You know, if if I'm a leader and and we're gonna do this change, you know, we might see you know half our staff leave, half our team leave, half our members leave, whatever it is, and and, and so that scares us to death to implement the change that that many times leaders envision. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, how do you how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah. Well, in the end, what we have to do is we have to go back because remember when we fall in love with God, it becomes more about Him than it comes about us, and that's that leverage point that God I'm. Even if I'm, even if I get this wrong, I'm still doing it for the right motive. And I, what I want is the body of Christ to be in love with you, to be walking towards what you've called us to. And this is what we're doing, and this is what we're about. And if someone leaves, then it it should grieve him more than it grieves us in the in the in the trend, in a bigger sense because he's the one, you know. In the end, that, that these people are really walking towards. We're not less walking towards a denomination. We're we're walking towards the kingdom of God. We're we're building something that is bigger than us. We're building something that is rooted in relationship. And so, yeah, you mm-hmm. you say, God, I, if this is what really what you're doing, and I'm willing to pay the cost in regards to the loss, and and I don't want to do it because I don't want to make it about me. I want to make it about you. And so that's the. That's what that prayer is from the heart is to say, okay, God, this is really about you. This really is about what you want to do. And, yeah. and, and if in this changing of a name, we'll go back to that, um, then then would you use this to draw people to love you more? Not us or the church and the denomination, but would you use this to draw people to you and to love you? And would you use this to stir us in, in this process to work through that and help me to learn how to work through people to answer their questions, but also to be clear about who we are and what we're doing because yeah. names do change. And, and, yeah. you know, God is a part of that process. He renames people uh, at times and therefore institutions have to name themselves to, to create an appropriate yeah. relationship. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that is probably always going to be one of the, the, the biggest fears, um, why the biggest reasons that people don't implement change or, or, or people don't or leaders don't do you know what what they feel they should do um, I think I think we do need to kind of get to the point where we're mature enough to say hey you know we can agree to disagree you know it doesn't we, we don't have to have a falling out and, that, and that's everybody fears the the falling out yeah, you that's know? Right. Um, I think about I, I think about Paul and, and and Mark you know John Mark 
Um, there was this disagreement yeah. that they had and yeah. they kind of departed. They went their separate ways. And then later on, they came back, you know, years later, they, they, they kind of reconvened and, and yeah, that, that's, that's okay. You know, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to kind of let people go. It's okay to leave sometimes. Um, you know, but I, I would just do it in a way that's, you know, mature and, and, and Christ-like. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's a, that's a great way to say it. Um, and that's what the, um, we all have to kind of come to in regards to there may be a season where we don't work together, but, but we, we um, recognize that we're not, we're not breaking the kingdom apart. We're just recognizing that this relationship is not going to work for a while, but we do it on the best terms that we can so that we can move forward because it's not about us. It's not about um, yeah. us trying to get something. It's about us trying to build something bigger than us. And that's really where the, what, what we have to continue to keep our eyes on. Sure. Absolutely. So um, there's probably different types of tension. Um, there's probably that tension that comes with resistance of change. And then there's probably tension that kind of maybe comes with confrontation, you know, having yeah. having those yeah. difficult conversations with people like, hey, you're you're just you're not doing your job. You're not performing. Yeah. Um, you know, there was this accusation against you. Uh, how do you have those difficult conversations? Because those uh, I, I found I found those are very very they're uncomfortable and I guess they're supposed yeah. to be uncomfortable but uh, they, they can't be so uncomfortable that we don't ever have them right yeah yeah and really the the issue that we, we all have to work through it is and the work that that I do a lot of it is teaching how to be, teaching leaders how to be present in the midst of tension because what what we do is when there's tension, we become anxious, and the anxious escalates the relationship, and then I polarize, and then you polarize, and it creates a dynamic that gets us into trouble. So part of this process that we have to do is, A, first, what I've got to do is I've got to go, well, what am I afraid of? And, and I've got to go deeper within myself to understand what are the dynamics that are taking place. And once I can kind of work through that, um, then, I, then, I can, then I can be more comfortable in the process and, and more engaged. So part of the, the first thing I do when I'm working with people or in a coaching role is help the person realize, okay, now what, A, what's going on? What are the emotions in me? Because the situations are not causing those emotions in me. They're just revealing what's inside of me. So I get to own that. I get to go, well, I'm afraid or I'm disappointed or I'm fearful or I'm concerned or I'm frustrated. And I label those and then I define those and then I bring God into it. And I say, okay, God, the light of this, how do you want me to see this situation. Then I try to get his perspective. And then as I've done that, then when I have a conversation with someone else, I've, I've, I've owned what is mine and, and I've, I've brought myself into it. And just, so there's minimum anxiety. And then when there's minimum anxiety, I can listen better and then I can engage them. And, you know, this is, this is, this is hard work, man. This is, you know, this is really where the, yeah. you know, this is no small challenge for any of us, myself included. I mean, I think of a situation where, you know, my son was, he was going through a bit of a challenge and I, we were trying to have a conversation and he leaned over and we were driving in a car and he said, dad, there's something about your driving that makes me nervous. Here I have a PhD in difficult conversations before I can put my hand to my mouth. I said to him, yeah, well, there's some things in your life that make me nervous too. Well, go ahead. Just smack me upside the head and call me an idiot. Um, so, you know, I mean, you say things and you do things, you just are ridiculous, but the, you know, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And I hadn't dealt with my fears. Yeah. And so I made a mess and I had to clean it up. And so that's part of the, you know, this, that's what this, 
challenges that we have created. We've created a mess, and we've got to be able to work through it. And and I've got to be able to say, okay, God, come into this mess that I have the potential to create, but help me to realize that there's nothing I can do that you're not bigger than and you can't redeem. And you can help me work through and help me figure out how to move forward in this process. Um, well, so, so how do you, how do we get people on the other side, kind of uh, you know thinking thinking this way? Because you know this this is all great. You know we p- kind of prepare ourselves uh, mentally, and we, we 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 tell ourselves, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen." Because a lot of times people they don't talk to to, to listen; they talk to be heard. So we can kind of get in the right mindset and and, and do our best as as a leader. But what do we do for the others? How do we navigate the other side? You know, because a lot of times if there's a if there's a confrontation, it doesn't necessarily have to be an argument. It could be a discussion, but, you know, they're not going to take it that way. So how how do we deal with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, you know, that's that's what God struggles with all the time. And (laughs) if he struggles with it, it's got to be okay for us to struggle with it, because here he is trying to engage us in this world, and the very people that he came to talk to killed him, and they were supposed yeah. to be his people. So so you, you, we recognize when we look at it, the bigger picture that this is not something that we can solve. This is just a part of when he gave us freedom, that this is a part of the challenge that we can use our gift against mm-hmm. him. So if God struggles with it and it's normal to life, and we, we have to give ourselves permission to struggle with it, and to see it as a part of life that we can't, because what in what we really want to do is extend our will through people. And, and God says, no, a will is a relational thing. It's not a dominating thing. And even his will, that's what we're to pray for, which means we're to have a dialogue with God about what his will is and learn how to bring it into our lives. And so here he, he gives us that invitation. And so if he does that for us, then we've got to figure out how to do that with others. And that as frustrating as it is, that's the way the kingdom works. We may not like it, but what we like is irrelevant. If that's what he thinks is a higher priority, then we've got to be able to, to take the risks and figure out through this process how to imbibe the the cross in our lives and bring him into it in a way that allows us to live and model what Jesus did. And we don't want that. So we what we really want is either power or control. And yet the very definition that Jesus brings in leadership is about servants. So you can start to see that this is this is no small thing, that this is not something that we just kind of wave the magic wand over and it all goes away, that this really is what discipleship is about and growing the body is about and developments and and these types of things. So it's this is it, this is no small challenge um for any of us, myself included, in that. So it's not about education, it's it's about okay how do I do this, God? And it leads us to a dependence upon His Spirit and a dependence and an emptying of ourselves, and yet also valuing ourselves and, and moving forward in this. So, yeah, those are those are no small challenges, and I hear your heart in that, but we got to go back to this is, this is yeah, the challenge. Absolutely. Definitely. Great insight there. You know, uh, I, I have found quite a difference, um, I guess, in, in, in levels of ease and, and, and difficulty when when dealing with tension outside of ministry, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I have some, you know, business dealings and, and anytime, you know, anytime in the marketplace when there's, when there's like a paycheck involved and Hey, I'm paying you to yeah. do a job and you're not doing it right. It's very easy to have those difficult conversations yeah. in, in ministry. It's a little bit different because I feel like we have to walk around eggshells a little bit more because, you know, people's 
hearts are are into it and and they're not getting paid they're kind of you know they're kind of here you know out of the out of the goodness of their heart um have you have you found yeah. you know any 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 key differences there or is it pretty much all the same thing that you know the same philosophy that we need to adopt well when you when you start talking about how we deal with tension then you're really dealing with culture so in, in what we would call the ministry we have a culture that says you know we we should be this way but if we really, really took it down to, well, even in our families, we experience tension. And, and lo and behold, when you read Genesis and Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and you look at those families, man, they were full of tension. There was all kinds yeah. of stuff going on, both good That's and bad. True. Well, mostly bad. But, you know, so it, part of it is um, continuing to go back, okay, what's the culture? What, how do we want to do this? Not how do we remove tension, but how do we deal with this? How do we grow through this? So I'm not, my growth is not dependent upon someone else. And, and how do we use all these things in my family or in, within myself or in, in church or ministry or business or these type of things? Um, and a lot of the work I do in Singapore is helping government workers deal with tension um, in their own government. And that's, you know, because there's tension in governments and there's tension in, in all these different ways. And, and how we deal with it and some of those types of things is really no small challenge for any of us. Um, so yeah, it's, I wish I could say it was easy. I wish I could say I had the problems. I, you know, I'd be wealthy beyond dreams if I did, but then God, yeah. you know, we wouldn't need God. It would all be about just the magic formula and, you know, we would be back to Star Wars and the force be with you, but even that doesn't work out so well. So, yeah. um, yeah, this, the, this is what we call life. This is what it means to have to need love. This is what, you know. When God says, I am love, it doesn't mean I'm the absence of tension. It means in the midst of tension, uh, I, love is what we need. And that's why tension is so important, because if there's no tension, you don't need love. What we need, why do we need love is because God has allowed tension, and love functions in the midst of tension, and that's when love is at its best. So these are the things that we have to continue to remind ourselves of in this process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to ask you, Maybe just a couple more questions here. Um, I, I want to kind of flip, flip kind of the conversation around yeah. here, and, and 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 say, say maybe we're not the ones dealing with tension. Maybe we're the ones causing the tension. Uh, so, for example, if if I have someone above me, maybe I'm maybe I'm in leadership, but I'm not like the leader. Um, yeah. At what point should should I maybe submit? You know. Um, because I think ten tension is good because it creates a conversation that sometimes may maybe we need to have, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe the leadership yeah. is doing something kind of, you know, maybe they shouldn't be doing yeah. or, or but maybe they're, they haven't stupid. thought. Yeah. It. Right. Right. And so it's good to create tension sometimes, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess what, what advice would you give? What's the point of, Hey, let, let's just stop and let's just, let's concede. Yeah. Well, that's a good, that's a good question. The, the, the the idea that comes to me at this stage is David with Saul. I mean, here's Saul, who's crazy. I mean, he's just yeah. he's losing his, his mind, and he's throwing spears at David, and he's trying to kill him, and, and David ends up having to flee. So submission of heart, David is never rebellious. So at the end of Saul's life, David writes basically a love song about Saul and Jonathan, and he says, you know, you know, he weeps, and, 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 and this, there's this profound sense of <clears throat> loss, that David carries in the midst of Saul. So David, in, in the one sense, respects authority and respects that God is bigger than authority, and yet he doesn't have a blindness to authority in regards to this 
you know, often what we end up with is this loyalty towards what leaders demand is a loyalty towards them. And, and there's this tension of I've got to be at a heart respectful of authority, but I don't have to be submissive in the sense of I don't have to do or say everything because I have a free will and I also have authority over myself in this process. So, so we, again, we, we, we've got to understand how God functions and what's the role of authority and who has what authority. So the church has authority and the government has authority and, and the family has authority, uh, you know, and, and, and I have authority over me and, and God has these different expressions. So we, we carry the tension of that and, and, where the church is a little bit behind because we don't know how to how to clarify whose role is what and what are the tensions and how do we deal with the tensions and move forward in this process. So those are all things that we yeah. we, we really have got to kind of grow in, and it's it's pretty normal. I mean, of course, I'm going to be frustrated. It's like a child, you know, a child with his parent. Well, he's got to learn that there's two things you've got to learn: respect and intimacy. Those are the foundations of of all of our relationships and they're the foundation of our faith that we have to work with. And a child has to learn how to be respectful and be intimate. And a a worker has to learn how to be respectful and how to be intimate. And, you know, so those are the things that we're working, working with um, to build Mm -hmm. our faith in this process. And so that's what, that's what we've got to be able to do through this. Um, Yeah. You know, so that takes us back to that. So I, I can be respectful. Doesn't mean I have to agree on everything. Why? Because I have a choice, and right. and we're working towards relationship, not form some form of dominance or control. Um, and yeah. if I don't like it in the end, I get to vote with my feet, and I'm going to go to another church. Or, or you know, in this, if if again, it depends. If I'm married, then okay, how do we work this out? Um, how do I yeah. figure out how to move forward? And, and again, we've got biblical illustrations of this. Would help us kind of move through it. So those are the those are the dynamics, you know. And we're back to this thing of, oh man, life is complex. It just wants to go away. Well, that's not what's going to happen. We got to figure out how to grow up, not make it go away. Right. Yeah. That's that's such a great great point right there. I'm probably going to have to uh, put that in a <laughs> in a quote here in our show notes. Um, yeah, because yeah, it, it's it's not going to go away. It's 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 been around forever. And, uh, you know, we, like you said, we live in a very, very complicated world and, you know, it's complicated because everyone is wired differently and, and you have so many different people working on the same project. Of course, you're going to have some tension there. And so we just need to, we need, we need to maybe harness a culture of, of respect and listening because that's one thing that happens. I, I think in the midst of tension, we, we want to be right. We want to be heard, but we don't, we don't want to listen. And so that, that's kind of why I asked that question, yeah. so that leaders can put their, you know, their, um, their, their, their feet in the in the other person's shoe, um, so that we can we can understand. Yeah, this has been a great, I mean, very great conversation. Um, is there is there any anything else uh, that you would like to kind of maybe leave with our with our audience, um, with you know whether that be leaders or pastors or whatever? Yeah. Maybe? Well, the the my. I, my desire is to help people grow up. Honestly, I want to help people fall in love with God. The most dangerous thing in the world is to fall in love with something bigger than yourself. And uh, part of the way I want to yeah. do that is I put together a daily devotional. They can go to brokentopleadership.com. They can sign up for the daily devotional. They can be connected. They, there's some of the books they can read and different things. But really the devotional is where I kind of each morning pour my heart into, okay, God, what am I wrestling with? Where is their attention? What are the struggles of humanity? 
triggered a little bit deeper capacity in the process. So they, that's kind of the, the, the starting point that we start with. And I'm trying to do some online courses and some different things, but those are all kind of down the road. It's really just that, <clears throat> that starting point um, with the devotional. So they can check that out if, if they're interested and they want to be involved in the process. Okay, awesome. And uh, any other ways people can connect with you? Or is that the best way, just through the through the website? That's probably the best. They can do it through Bogan Top. Get my email from there. Just let me know how if there's interest in what we can do. And I mean, there's eight books on the marketplace side. There's eight books on the Christian side. Okay. And there's you know all this stuff. Data. I don't have any problem with data, but it's really relational. Yeah. And if people want a relationship, then, okay, email me and we can, you know, I'm at mrollins at mac.com and we can move forward. But yeah, it's uh, okay. no problem. Okay. And so you're, you're actually, uh, you, you've written several books, right? Uh, I think it was like, what, like 12 books or something like that? It's pretty prolific. Yeah, well, it's better how you count them, but I'm, there's a bunch of them out there. I, that's what I like to do, so. Okay. Well, awesome. Awesome. We'll have, uh, we'll have to check those out. And um, Matthew, it's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, this is very very Thanks. insightful, and uh, I, I mean, I, I really loved this this topic because I think it's going to really speak to so many different people, so many leaders, um, because we all we all we all struggle with this. Yeah, we do. I I'd be I would be the first to say that. I appreciate John just the conversation with and your heart and kind of your sharing and a little bit of where you are and and uh it it's been a it's been a joy to talk with you and i trust god will give you wisdom to figure out how to move forward amen thank you brother thank you uh in the meantime we'll enjoy your time in in hawaii i know that you're you're over there for i guess for, for a little vacation so yeah with my family my wife's from hawaii so yeah okay oh okay awesome well enjoy your time brother uh, god bless you and uh you know we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again on a later podcast <laughs> That'd be great. I'd enjoy it. You take care, John. Thanks. All right, brother. Yes. Okay. Yep. Bye.